dedications. Again, a heartfelt happy mother to all the mamas in the room, and we recognize that today can have all kinds of emotions. Um, if maybe you lost your mom recently, your mom is not here. Maybe you lost your mom a long time ago. Maybe you desire to be a mom, but you're unable to at this point, or numerous other reasons why today might be a challenging day. We pray that you experience God's grace, find um, opportunities to be grateful for the mother figures in our lives, our, our natural mothers, our spiritual mamas. This house is full of all kinds of spiritual moms. Um, but let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to honor the mothers in our life, our natural mothers, our spiritual mothers. Lord, we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're the great comforter. You come and you comfort and you put healing balm on our hearts in places where uh, maybe there's pain in today. Lord, we thank you that you're our comforter. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Mother's Day message. Is it going in and out? Okay, let's be done with it then. It's okay, I'll let it hang. My hair can cover it. Um, it's not a typical Mother's Day message, but it's a message that all mothers and really all people need. Motherhood can be a grind that no one sees, no one knows about. Um, and so before we, and so today's message is good because it's going to help with the grind. But before we get any further, I just want to give some prizes, give some free caffeine. Um, I've got some $10 Starbucks gift cards to some mamas in the house that have grinded pretty hard. And so if you're a mom, I'm going to ask some questions. You're going to have the opportunity to raise your hand. If your hand is the last one raised, you get coffee. Um, and so the first question I have is I'm curious um, what mom in church this morning was in active labor the longest. Our first gift as mothers is labor. Um, and so think about it. Maybe you already know off the top of your head, but if you think about it, when did you start active labor? When did you finish? How many hours? How many hours? And so for me, I think Ella was 12. Eli was 10 hours. I think Ezra was seven hours of active labor. Okay. So raise your hand if you were in active labor for, um, 10 hours or more. Shoot your hands up loud and proud. Wow. Y'all were fast. Um, raise them real high so we can see. All right, how about 12 hours or longer? How about 20 hours or longer? Wow, how about 24 hours or longer? How about 30 hours or longer? Wow, guys, you all deserve a card. We've got extra cards. Is there three hands up? All right, so over here. And then I've got two over here. Can you give it? Yes. All right. Let's give it up for these ladies. Wow. <laughs> Superhero powers. All right. So now for some of the um, moms with littles, one of, the, uh, one of the gifts early on in motherhood also is the, the lack of sleep. Um, the gift. The gift of lack of sleep. Um, so last night, was there anyone who got woken up in the middle of the night by a child? If so, raise your hand. You guys got woken up? Some kids are raising their hand. <laughs> 
Did we all get a good night's sleep last night? No one got woken up last night? Where's Jade? I thought Jade was maybe. Is Jade here? Did she get woken up last night? No. No. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're, they slept in. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, that's all I got. That's all I got for you guys this morning. Sorry. Um, okay, but motherhood is not for the faint of heart. <clears throat> and really life in general is not for the faint of heart. So I hope, I pray this morning, you can see on the screen, this message is called Delight. We're right now, we're in this a series called In the Beginning, and we're taking a look at the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. Um, and so last week, if you guys missed last week, we were in chapter one of the book of Genesis, and that was all that we studied. And we really... Um, clung around this truth that we are created beings. So simple, but so profound and should impact every area of our life when we realize we are not our own. We have a maker. Um, We have a creator that knows how we operate best, right? And so today we're going to continue in that theme. We're going to launch off on this topic of delight from the beginning of Genesis 2. So last week we talked about day one through six of creation. Today we're going to take a look at day seven of creation, um, which is um, at the very start of Genesis 2. So let's take a look at it and then we'll dive in. Genesis 2, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Um, it says, Thus the heavens and earth and all the host of them were finished. So the earth was created, Adam and Eve were created on day six. Verse 2, and then on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had done. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all of his work, which he had created and made. So here in the scripture, we see that God rested. And maybe you immediately think, well, yeah, he's been working hard. He must be tired. But that's actually not true. He wasn't resting because he was tired. He wasn't resting because he was wore out. How do we know that? Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the earth, he never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depth of his understanding. So he didn't rest. Oh, did you guys see my necklace? In case you were wondering, it's Eli's fingerprint. So proud of it. It was a gift this morning. Um, (laughs) I'm so happy about it. Side note, um, got all the cards this morning. And I love the preschool kindergarten cards. Ezra, our youngest, is in kindergarten. And so, you know, they give you those books about... You know, your favorite thing is this, and you love to do this, and it's always funny. And so he said my favorite food was a bagel. But the picture showed a bunch of green dots on it, because sometimes in the morning I have a toasted bagel with cream cheese and olives on top, and he thinks that's hilarious. So it just blessed my heart. Like, it really just blessed my heart. But anyways, we're talking about Jesus is not tired. God's not tired, right? So he didn't take a break. He didn't rest on the seventh day because he was tired. He rested as an example Um, because the day before, because people are watching now, the day before he created Adam and Eve, right? And on day six, which we'll talk about more in the next couple of days, but on day six, he created Adam and Eve and he blessed them and he told them, like we talked about last week, be fruitful, have dominion, have leadership of the earth, gave them specific roles of tending and keeping the garden. He, He taught them about work on day six, 
But right after that, on day seven, he's teaching them about rest. And he's saying, we work hard and we rest well. He didn't rest, and he wasn't taking a nap on day seven. We'll talk about that here in just a minute. But he was setting an example. How many people who have been parents in the room know sometimes you do things or you give an example of things that you don't need to do yourself, but your child needs to do? Like maybe you put the training seat on the toilet and you show them how to sit there. You don't need to sit there. You don't need the training seat, but they need it. God was setting an example. He was setting a rhythm on earth of rest and saying, Adam and Eve, we rest. One day a week, we rest. You guys tracking? Um, so we're going get to get to talking about delight more in just a minute. But I first want to, because we're in this In the Beginning series, I just want to camp out on the significance of day seven, pull out a couple of nuggets before we move on. The first thing is this. Rest is valuable to God. Rest is valuable to God. Rest is a characteristic of the kingdom of God, and it is not a characteristic of the kingdom of darkness. Actually, the book of Revelation calls hell a place where day and night there is no rest. There is no rest in hell. But Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest is, a, a, is from God. I've heard it said that if you want to experience hell on earth, then just don't rest day or night. Just never turn it off. But rest is from God. Rest, I'm not talking about laziness, because sometimes people are like, oh, you're lazy if you rest. No, there's a rest that's not lazy. There's a rest that honors the Lord. So rest is valuable to God. The second thing we can pull out of this scripture is that God is the one who set up the seven-day-a-week rhythm. And sometimes we just take that for granted. Like, of course, there's seven days in a week. But God's the one that put that into motion. Over the course of history, there's been um, civilizations and leaders that have tried to make the calendar be a a 10-day-a-week calendar. And it just doesn't stick because seven days works best. Why? Because our creator made it that way and because he knows how we work best. So simple, profound, but important. God set it up for there to be seven days in a week and for one of those days to be a, a day of rest. The next thing we can pull out of the scripture is that God blessed and sanctified that day of rest. No other day did he bless. What did that scripture just say that we read? Genesis 2 verse 3, it said, then God blessed the seventh day. It didn't say that about day one through six. Then God blessed the day and sanctified it, set it apart and said, this is holy because he rested from all of his work. And all of the other days, at the end of the summary about that day, you know, on this day he made the waters, on this day he made the animals. At the close of all of those days, it ends with a phrase like, so the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It closes up that day. The seventh day is not wrapped up in a bow like that. Which is interesting. I was reading some commentaries on it, and, it, and most Bible scholars say it's because this day of rest, there was not an ending of it. Like God was never going to have a day of making animals again. He was never going to have another day of um, making the waters. But this pattern of rest is to be continual and ongoing. And, and it's blessed. 
there's something about when we yield to God's invitation of rest. He's saying, hey, I want you to have a weekly one-day staycation. I just want you to take a break. And when we say, okay, God, I'll do that. Seems simple, right? Why is this so hard for us? When we do that, he says it's blessed. It's holy. There's something special about when we yield to the rest that God is inviting us to join in on. And then the last one that we're going to talk about in more detail that I just love, it was revelation for me as I was studying deeper this week. Number four that we can pull out, and you're going to see how I'm pulling this out here in a minute, is that God delights in us. God delights in us. That word rest that's used in the scripture says in uh, Genesis 2, 2, and on the seventh day, God ended his work. He stopped working. He stopped being productive. He stopped creating, um, which all he had done, and he rested. That Hebrew word that's used there, that's translated rested, it doesn't mean take a nap. It doesn't mean he pulled out a cot or put together some leaves and slept. That word, um, the Hebrew word is that's used there is Shabbat, which is the root of Sabbath. Everywhere else in scripture where you see the word Sabbath, this word rest that's used here is the root of that. And what it actually means is four different things. It means he stopped working. He ceased from all labor. And he rested in a, ref- in a refreshing type of way, not in a nap type of way. It could have been, you know, sometimes on Sabbath, we want to take a nap, but it wasn't necessarily sleep. It was rest. It was doing things that were um, refreshing. And part of what Sabbath means is delight or celebration. And then part of what Sabbath means also is worship. So on that day, he was delighting. Part of what he was doing was delighting. He was resting, but he was delighting in his creation. Doesn't that put a different spin on what happened on that day? I wish I could watch a reel of what day seven looked like. Because it, it was it's not a reel of Jesus take or God taking a nap. It's a it's a reel of him delighting, of him enjoying, of him not working, but being refreshed in his creation and part of his creation, you and me. On that day he delighted in us, in Adam and Eve. I think if we saw a reel of that day, it would involve a lot of laughter. God and Adam and Eve laughing and playing. Adults, we should remember how to play, right? I think it involved them worshiping him, like, God, you're so amazing. Look at, wow, look at this flower, and wow, look at that animal. And there was delight, and there was joy, and there was celebration in that day. And it involved part of that delight was him delighting in us. You know, God delights in you. Last week, we took a look at how the first gesture of God towards creation was that he blessed them. He created them. He said, hey, I want you to be the leaders and have dominion over the earth, and I'm going to bless you. His first action towards them was blessing. We see here one of his first gestures was also delighting. God delights in you. He delights in you. Male, female, Adam and Eve, he was there delighting in them on day seven, enjoying their company. He was taking a vacation with them, per se, on that day. Isn't that good? Maybe you don't believe me that God delights in you. Let me show you a couple more scriptures that shows you that. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves, and he will take delight in you. 
He will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Maybe God was singing over Adam and Eve on that seventh day. The way a, a parent or a, today's Mother's Day, or the way a mother delights over her children, smiles, laughs, sings with them, sings over them. God delights in you in that same way. Not because of anything. They have not, on day seven, Adam and Eve had not accomplished much, but he delighted in them. Not because of what they did, but because of who they are. They're his. Psalm 18, 19 says, he, talking about God, he brought me into a broad or a vast place. He rescued me. Why? Because he delighted in me. God delights in you. Psalm 35, 27, let the Lord be magnified, who delights and takes pleasure, is very happy in the prosperity or the blessing when his, when his child is doing well, spirit, soul, body, the prosperity of his servant. Amen. So I believe this morning this topic is a really great topic for Mother's Day. Because as moms, we've got all kinds of tabs open on our computer and in our mind. We've got all kinds of to-do lists that we don't have enough time in the week to fill. But really all of us, whether you're a mom or not, we all need to hear this message on rest. And maybe you see the direction I'm going and you're like, 24 hours of no productivity? That is just unrealistic. Unfathomable. Like, I can't even conceptualize what that might look like in my life. So we're going to take baby steps. We're going to talk about what, what could this look like if we took God up on his offer of rest. So I just want you to imagine for a minute, take away the calendar and take away the budget and take away all the things that might prevent you from even imagining. But what would it look like if you just had a couple more moments of rest and delight every week? I'm not even talking about a whole day right now. But what if you allowed yourself to have six hours a week where you were not producing, but you were resting, you were stopping labor and things that make you money, you were delighting, you were resting, you were worshiping, what would that even look like? And then the further step is, what if you had a weekly 24-hour block of time of Sabbath, rest, delight, and worship. How would that feel? Imagination is a powerful thing. Under the Old Testament law, the Jews were required. It was a law. You have to take a 24-hour Sabbath. And it was even punishable by death. They were not allowed to cook or clean or farm or do anything on the Sabbath. It was a law. And was held very strongly. You can see that in the response of the Pharisees towards Jesus. When he was healing someone on the Sabbath, they scolded him. When Jesus comes, we see him living in a pattern of Sabbath, but we don't see him doing it in a religious, black and white type of way as the Pharisees. But we see it being a pattern in his life, and he actually calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. In many ways, some Bible scholars think that Jesus was actually the fulfillment of the Sabbath. When he says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you Sabbath. 
Take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Another translation says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, I'm not a hard taskmaster. You will find rest in me. True rest really is only found in Jesus, right? And when we come to him, we find rest. And rest is a God thing. Um, I've heard it said that if we don't give our bodies a rhythm of Sabbath or a rhythm of rest, our bodies will give it to itself. Like if you're not going to Sabbath, then your body will shut down in a way that will force you to Sabbath. I can see that to be true. Um, last week we talked about how God is our creator and he knows how his creation works best. He knows we work best. Our bodies operate at highest capacity when we have these rhythms of rest and not in a legalistic way, but in a pattern of somehow having these rhythms. Maybe it's not a full 24 hour block of time. Maybe it's six hours here and six hours here and six hours here, 12 hours here and 12 hours there, but intentional moments of rest that we do in faith to honor him, right? He knows that we function best in that way. There was actually a study, National Geographic did a study in 2005, and they wanted to see what are the secrets to a long life. And so they studied the whole planet, and they were looking for pockets of population that lived the longest. They were looking for pockets of population that that had the highest number of people that lived to be 100 years or longer. They they found five unique locations where there seemed to be a high population of people that lived to be 100 years or longer. One of those locations was in Loma Linda, California, that has a high population of Seventh-day Adventists who practice the Sabbath religiously. There's actually a Seventh-day Adventist university in that city, and they attributed the longevity of their life that a high percentage of their population was hitting 100 or older because of a lot of variables, but one distinct variable was the practice of Sabbath. A, A study earlier zoomed in on that community and said, based on Californians in as a whole, The Seventh-day Adventists that live in this city that religiously practice the Sabbath live four to ten years longer than the average Californian. You guys sold? So in the beginning, God created a day of rest. And today's Mother's Day. I just want to give a shout-out to the moms who work so hard and we need a break. But check out these statistics. A stay-at-home mom is said to work the equivalent of two and a half full-time jobs caring for her children. Statistics say mothers work an average of 14 hours a day. That's a 98-hour work week. The average mom starts at 6.23 a.m. and ends her day at 8.31 a.m. when the kids hopefully, hopefully stay in their bed, right? With only a 1.7 hours of free time in between. Moms should be charging $115,000 a year for their work. The general manager of salary.com says, 
we see mom as a compilation of 10 jobs in one person. The breadth of a mom's responsibility is beyond what most workers can even experience in the day-to-day. Imagine if you had to attract and retain a candidate to fill this role. We all need a Sabbath, but especially the mamas, especially the young mamas that are in, in the grind. Much of this could be said of engaged young fathers as well. But I want to encourage, on this Mother's Day, I want to encourage everyone, and today we're highlighting the mamas, we need to find moments of rest. We need to find rhythms of rest. We need to do things that refresh and delight. We need to have a moment where we cease productivity. The laundry can wait. Cereal can be for dinner. There can be a cease of labor. And maybe, maybe I mean, ideally, you know, this is something that Eric and I have been studying, and we've taught on this. We taught on this a year and a half ago or so, um, this idea of Sabbath. We went through the um, Ruthless and Elimination of Hurry book. Um, but this has been a journey Eric and I have personally been on for four or five years, and we are not perfect. But it, it's a focus of ours that we try to be intentional to have healthy rhythms of rest, January through March this year, it was not good. Moving into this new building, we did not have very many good Sabbaths. We tried really hard, but it was a grind. Um, but it's like you're not going to hear this message and all of a sudden like be really good at it. Like it, it takes time to redevelop a rhythm of rest, especially a full 24-hour rhythm of rest. But what would it look like if you said, you know what? I'm going to at least carve out a six-hour block of time every week. I'm going to start at that. What would it look like for me every week to have a six-hour block of time where I am Sabbathing? I am not paying the bills. I am not doing laundry. I'm not mowing the lawn. I'm not doing something that's making me money. I'm not producing in any way. I am just resting and delighting and worshiping. For many, for many of us, Sunday is a good day for that, Right? Come to church and worship, go home, have a cookout, but don't look at your work email, don't do any yard work, just delight and rest. For Eric and I, our Sabbath rhythm is Mondays because Sunday is very much a a day of work for us. We delight and it's refreshing, but it also is a wait. Um, And so we've been Sabbathing on Mondays. The kids are all in school this year, so it, it has been a delight. Mondays have been a delight. We're, we're bracing ourselves for summer. Um, which will have a different rhythm. We'll still practice Sabbath, but it will look different. Um, so what would it look like? Isaiah 58, verse 13 says, and, and call the Sabbath a delight. Some of you moms are looking at me like, don't give me another thing on my to-do list. I don't have time for rest. I, I don't have six hours to unplug. God's saying, call it a delight. Receive it with gladness. So I want to just leave this morning with just a couple of practicals. I want to leave you with some practicals. Okay, how does this, how would this even work in my life? Number one, we've kind of been talking about it already. Is there a six hour, a 12 hour, or a 24 hour block of time in your week that you could Sabbath? Because we were created to need it. God set it up from the beginning that we need rhythms of rest and refreshing. And it's always so funny that this is a hard, this is a message oftentimes that is hit with resistance. And God's like, I'm just trying to give you a day off. Right? 
Number two, what are you going to do on that day? What brings you delight? What refreshes you? Mamas, it'd be good to ask yourself that question. I know your children bring you delight, but what other than that brings you delight? What are you like, oh, if I just had a free day and I could just do this, I would be so refreshed, fill in the blank. What is that? It's good to locate that. Husbands and wives, especially young parents, it's good for you guys to know what refreshes the other person. And when you see the other person getting wore down or tired, being the one to say, hey, like for Eric, I know he loves to go play basketball. And so there, and he knows different things about me. And so we know when one another is getting wore out, even in the rhythm of Sabbath, being able to say to the, your other spouse or, or friend or whatever it might be, hey, have you done this thing that delights you in a while? You need to go do that. Hey, I'll be home with the kids tonight. You go do that. Figuring out what delights you. Is it a latte in two hours to read a book undistracted? Is it going for a walk? Is it creating or designing? Is it sleeping in? Is it having meaningful conversations with people that you love? What is it that you're like, oh, when I have time to do that, I am so refreshed. I am so delighted. It's good to recognize what that is because you should be doing that on your day of rest. It brings you life. It's, it's um, refreshing. It's something you delight in. Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord. God delights in us, but he says we need to delight in him. Is it spending time in the word? On days of Sabbath, there are great opportunities for extended times with the Lord. On Mondays when we Sabbath, we have long extended times with the Lord to just, it's kind of a, a heart alignment. God, where, where's my heart at? What are you saying to me? It's a, a, a moment to worship, which is part of what Sabbath is. So having worship music going on in the house and the windows open, what is delightful to you? Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What are the desires in your heart for a day of rest? God wants to give that to you. And number three, could you trust God in practicing Sabbath? It's an expression of trust. Saying, all right, God, I could be making money with these hours. I could be cleaning the house. I could be getting ahead for the week. But instead, I'm going to trust you um, by practicing the Sabbath. Hebrews 4.3 says, for we who have believed do enter that rest. It takes faith to rest and to say, God, I could be making more money. I could be doing a side hustle right now, but I'm not. I'm going to trust you as my provider. Um, You know, sometimes people are like, oh, well, I've got a 10-day vacation coming up, so for the next 10 weeks, I'm not going to Sabbath. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) In, um, In Jewish custom, and even today now in Israel, there's some farmers in Israel, so... Um, In Jewish custom, Jews would religiously adhere to Sabbath once a week. But then in addition to that, God said, let the land have a break every seven years. And so if you were a farmer, you did not work the land for a whole year every seven years. And so to say that you don't need a Sabbath because you're taking a week off, like the, the rhythm is take a whole year off in addition to the weekly Sabbath. That takes some faith, right? So giving, God is giving us the gift of rest. Will we trust him enough 
to take it. This evening, mamas, don't do the dishes. Trust that someone in the house is going to step up to do them. But let's be a people of rest that we delight in the Lord. We worship him. We trust him to be our good. We thank you that you're our creator. You know how we operate best. Help us yield to your plan. With all eyes closed and head bowed, maybe you're here this morning and you've never come into a personal relationship with Jesus. And so you've never experienced this spiritual rest that Jesus invites us into. Jesus said, just come to me. I know you're weary. I know you're working hard. I know you're trying to make it happen in your own ability. But Jesus said, just come to me and I will give you true rest. We always end service with a a prayer that just declares Jesus. We declare that you're our Lord, you're our Savior. Come help us live the way that we ought. It's called a salvation prayer. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. None come to the Father except through me. Jesus also says, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This morning, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, you've never entered into the abundant life that he has for you, I invite you to join us in this prayer as we pray. With all eyes closed and head bowed, if you're here this morning and you want to receive the true rest that Jesus has for you for the first time, or maybe rededicate your life to the Lord, would you raise your hand boldly to him and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I've been trying to do it in my own strength. I've been trying to do it in my own way. Amen. I see that hand. Church, let's pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for the rest that you give us. I'm coming to you, Jesus, to find true rest. So today, I declare that I believe in my heart, Jesus, raised from the dead, died on the cross, raised from the dead. And I'm confessing with my mouth, Jesus, be my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.